Yo, this is Steve Bloom, the voice of Zeb in Star Wars Rebels. And you are listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, do you think it's Ahsoka? Of course I do. Don't you? Is that the, the prevailing theory right now that Fulcrum is Ahsoka? I think that's everybody's hope that is that it's Ahsoka. I don't know if that's actually who it is. Although, some interesting theories came up on Ion Cannon, if you want to know. Or, I can just let everybody listen to episode 122, I think? I think that's what the number is. The last one. The one they released yesterday. Okay, so give me one interesting theory that came up on Ion Cannon. Um, okay, so I said that maybe it's Bo-Katan. For no reason. I have no logical explanation for that other than that they said they wanted something left field, so that's what I picked. Bo-Katan kind of makes sense. Uh, really? But, you think? I mean, why wouldn't it be? I, I don't but think what if, it... What if it's her... What if it's Chomsundua? It could be a lot of people, but I guess it just seems like Ahsoka would be the logical choice. Why? Because she's a fan favorite. Dave Filoni is a showrunner. He loves Ahsoka. Ashley Eckstein would be awesome to bring back to the show or to Okay, yeah, a but show. that's not... That's not... It's not logical in the case of the story. Like, there's nothing in the story that says that it would make sense for it to be Ahsoka. Well, she she's still out there, as far as we know. So you would think she would be part of any resistance against the Empire. So why not? Maybe she's just like, screw you guys. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to go live on whatever planet I came from. You know, I don't even know what planet she's from. Well, she's a Tagruta. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she only comes from one place. I mean, that would be like saying all Hispanics or Mexican-Americans are from Mexico, which I'm not. So... Well... In Star Wars, that's the way things work. Oh, okay. So, no, I don't even so know. So, where what, is the, what, so what planet? I don't know. I don't <laughs> know the home planet of Tagrutas. Is it Tagruta? Tagrutia. Are you just making that up? Yes. Okay. Well, we should probably talk about books, since that's what we're here for. Okay. This is episode 37 of Star Wars Bookworms, and I am Teresa Delgado, one of your hosts, and with me is my co-host. Aaron Goins, otherwise the person who does not know where Tegrutas are from. I know, you totally, I was like, I'm kind of embarrassed I don't know the answer to that question. You're like the EU guru. That's, I don't but understand that's pure why canon you don't right know. there. But... Oh, so you only know stuff that's non-canon? <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning canon now, I'm being forced. I'm no. being forced to learn canon. So, let's see, we have some cool stuff that's going on. Um, we are both going to Star Wars Celebration. It yes. is official. We will both be there. Um, yay. It was touch and go for a little bit, but it seems like it's yeah. working out. Um, I will be there the whole time. I think you're going to be there most of the time. Maybe miss the first day. I am missing Thursday. But that's okay. Even though everybody's saying that Thursday's like the day I am... I'm I'm okay. <laughs> if miss, you were concerned, I'm okay. You'll miss the uh I guess you'll miss the JJ Abrams Kath, Kathleen Kennedy thing that's yeah, going on. Yeah, you have fun sitting in line for 50 hours. <laughs> have fun with that. I'm totally okay with not doing that. Well, I waited in line 9 hours to see George Lucas, so we'll see if this is longer, but I bet you it is. You think so? I bet you it is. I can't wait to just get all the news like straight on my phone instead of having to wait in line. Don't act like you wouldn't be in that line if you were there. I wouldn't not one minute. I'd be at Disneyland. Disneyland. You would just go to Disneyland instead of Star Wars Celebration? Just for that one part. Just for that part. Okay. (laughs) 
So, um, and also for everybody listening, we are going to be on the podcast stage on Friday, April 17th at 4.30 p.m. So all of you bookworms need to come out there and come to the stage because it's going to be a really fun time. Um, up on the stage with us, we are going to have Mark Newbold and um, Jedi Schwa. So we are super excited. Um, we may have some surprises. We may not. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. It'll we be a surprise know. to us. It'll be a surprise. But yeah, we we actually got selected to be on the podcast stage, which is really awesome. I think we're the only the only Star Wars literature podcast that's going to be we there. Are. So if you're into Star Wars books and uh, you listen to our show, you should definitely come see us live. Um, that's for all the people not listening. Hopefully, you heard us here, right here. <laughs> Tell your friends that don't listen. But. Um, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're going to make new t-shirts specifically for the event. Um, we're working on getting some really cool exclusive pins, kind of working out the details on that so we won't won't give out too many details. But if all things work out that we're planning, it'll be really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and we have... Be, it, if, if it all works out, it will be somebody that you guys know very well that will be helping us out with that. Yes. So... We'll we definitely... do have... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you'll definitely want to come to the panel, if not just to collect the pin. <laughs> just come and get the pin and then leave. No, no we're going to wait until stay. after it's no, over I to don't. hand we're out the pins. We're going to wait until the very end. You're going to have to come up to the stage and say hi and come and get it from us. No, um, but yeah, if we do t-shirts, um, the way we do t-shirts is we design them and then we put them up on Zazzle and you guys can buy them and wear them to the convention. And we would love it if you did so, so that more people will find us. Um, apart from the exclusive pins from the panel, we will have our normal Star Wars bookworm pins. So if you see us walking around or whatever, um, we can toss one your way. Definitely. And we did create a Facebook event page for this. So if you are planning on going, uh, it would be awesome if you would go over to the Facebook event page and just click the, what is what do they call it? What's the what's the button you click? Joining, if you join, join, it. Yeah. join. That way we can. How many people we have? Five. No, I think we have twenty-two people confirmed so far. Yay. Like eight maybes. Um. So, yeah, we would love for you guys if you know for sure that you're gonna check it check it out. Go over to Facebook, click, click that button, and then we'll know that to look for you. So, but I saw some some faces on there that I know, and I saw some faces on there that I don't know. So it'll be really fun to listen or to uh to meet some listeners that we've never met before. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so as far as celebration is concerned, we know of a few authors that have been confirmed. Um, John Jackson Miller, Christy Golden, and James Lucino. Um, we don't know at this point yet if um, Del Rey is going to be doing any panels. I'm assuming that they will be. Um, I have heard rumored that also the audiobook team from Del Rey might be doing something, but I don't know that for sure. So um, we'll just have to see, wait and see. Um, we do know for a fact that Drew Carpitian is attending Celebration Anaheim. I do not know if it's in a Delray capacity or not, or if he's just attending. Um, but I am working on that. Hopefully we can find out soon. So if it is in a Delray capacity, I wonder what that means. Or <laughs> yeah. maybe it means nothing. But, um, you know, king, the queen of speculation over here. Not really. So what's been going on in the book club? Well, actually, I was thinking because we're going to read a couple emails and I was looking at it and I realized one of the emails is specifically talking about the book club. So I'm going to actually kind of flip the script here a little bit and jump down to adjusting the show notes on the fly on the fly. So I'm going to read the email from Bruce Gibson because it's about the book club. So it'll be a nice lead into talking a little bit about what we're reading and what's coming up. But this is from Bruce Gibson. He says, hello, Teresa and Aaron. I know you're not reading the current Goodreads book club, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. From your last show, you mentioned that you're not interested in it. But why? It's the first EU Legends novel ever. Aren't you at least a bit curious about how it reads? Now at this point, I can hear you both saying, no, not really. The book is a bit strange, and Luke lusting over Leia is, well, yucky. Just wondering if you'll ever want to read it someday. I'm actually enjoying it. So that was Bruce's email. And my reply to Bruce is, I, I am reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I don't I think in our last episode, we, we were talking about uh, doing the book club. 
we weren't planning on doing one for uh, February uh, or January and February, but we decided at the last minute to do it. So um, I think maybe he thought we weren't going to read the book, but I know you you didn't read the book or you weren't planning on reading it, but I was planning on reading it. So I have I have been reading it. Well, in response to this, too, um, I know that we did say I did say on the last show that I wasn't going to read it. Um, and it's not because I'm not interested in the book. It's purely because I am going through a very big transition in my life right now. And so and when we were getting ready to read that, it was just timing was horrible. So and and I don't have it. So I was just like, you know what? I can't take on more and more right now. We've got to read all the stuff for the show. Um, and you guys may not realize it, but um, we're actually kind of getting a bigger workload, would you say, Erin? Um, because we're being asked to do some other books that we originally had not planned on doing. So with all of those and everything else, and then I'm doing a lot of reading for um, the other side of Del Rey that is not the Star Wars side and reviewing some books for them. I just didn't have time. Yeah. And, it, and with the book club, I think for the most part, we're going to try to read the same books that we have, you know, going on in the book club, but there'll probably be times that one or both of us won't be able to join in on the conversation. But, um, this time I did, I did start reading Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I didn't, I haven't finished it yet. Um, we're kind of reaching the end of February, so I don't know if I'll actually finish it before the end of February, but, um, I am about, I think I'm about halfway through it right now. But so Bruce, I am reading it with you guys. I think Bruce, you've been over in the, in the, in the chat over there on Goodreads. So hopefully you've seen some of my comments uh, because I have been joining in on a little bit of the discussion as well. But um, we do appreciate your email though. Yep. And so for March, um, the book that we are going to be doing is should not be any surprise to anybody. It is going to be drum roll. I can't do it with my mouth. So heir to the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it with my hands, but I can't make that noise. Um, I guess I could have done this. I don't know if you can hear that. Yes, I can table. definitely hear that. Okay. So, um, Heir to the Jedi, and it actually comes out on March 3rd, so I will be getting a um, the reading guide up as far as how many chapters per week and all of that stuff, and we have over 200 members now in the book club, so that's really awesome. And um, usually when we do something for a new book, um, we get some participation from some of the Delray folks. So we'll see if we can this time, no guarantees, but hopefully we can, we'll reach out to them and see, but, um, yep. Heir to the Jedi is for March. Definitely. And Splinter of the Mind's Eye, we're finishing that up. Um, if you haven't jumped into the conversation yet, it's not too late. Um, it's a really short book actually. So if you wanted to pick it up now and you can always jump in and read what people are thinking about it. Um, it was kind of funny because we kind of put it out there for a vote, and people picked Splinter of the Mind's Eye, but we didn't have as much participation uh, this time around as we had people that voted for it. So if you're going to vote for one of these books, actually get in there and talk to it, talk about it with us. That would be talk fun. To talk, talk to it. Talk to the bug in the Goodreads chat. <laughs> but um, I did want to give a shout-out to you know some of the people over there that are keeping the conversation going, Bruce, Travis, Mike, Julie, um, and others that are – over there consistently in the Goodreads chat and uh, and talking about the books as we do them. But um, Basically, we're saying be active in the book club. Yes, join or us. Or else. And hopefully with Heir to the Jedi being kind of a new book coming out, um, we'll get a little bit more interest in that one, and the discussion will be a little bit more uh, than we had for Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I think maybe Splinter of the Mind's Eye, people thought they wanted to read it, and, and then, then they started reading yeah. it, and they were like, oh, never mind. I they, changed my mind. Yeah, they started reading the first page because I know that happened to me. I read the first page, and I was like, wow, this is different. But, um, it's yeah. Okay. We're, we're saving you all. You can read a canon book now, Heir to the Jedi. So go out and get it on March 3rd or get the Nook book or the Kindle book or the audio book or the whatever book and um, join in for Heir to the Jedi. So we talked about Star Wars number one last time. Um, we've had Darth Vader number one, and I know we have both read it. Um, I don't want to go into a big kind of review of it, obviously, because we're going to do that later, but two or three things you like, don't like, um, whatever I, liked. I'll say I didn't like Darth Vader number one as much as I like Star Wars number one. Um, it was interesting to see some of the stuff that, you know, him being on Tatooine at that time and interacting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, is that too spoilery? 
Too spoilery. Okay, so I will not talk about the things that I like because they're too spoilery, but Boba okay. Fett's in it. Are you no. serious? <laughs> Why would you say something? He's on some of the variant covers, so I would think okay. it would be obvious. Right. But yes, he, he is in it. <laughs> okay, well, um, I can say that I actually liked a Darth Vader comic for the first time in forever. You're not going to sing that? Get the movie reference? No. Yeah. I thought maybe you'd sing Oh, it. I get it. Okay, so I was thinking forever like Sandlot, but then I thought back on what you said, and so the first time in forever. Okay, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> two movie references and one thing. Not the first time you've sang a Frozen song on this podcast. That is true. Um... So I actually liked it. I actually really liked the art. And I can say that the first time I saw Vader as a whole, I was like, wow, that's stunning. Um, and I don't tend to say that very often about comic artwork lately. So well, let's just put it this way. I like it. I like the story. I like the way it's going. It's interesting. It has my attention. And I'll stop there. Okay. Yeah, It's so far what's come out from Marvel has been has been good. I li- I've liked it. Um, and I guess Princess Leia number one is, I guess, the next number one that's coming out. So that'll be interesting to see where they go with that as well. Mm-hmm. We're well, about to start getting into a time where there's going to be a comic being released like every week. Um, yeah. So, so. And I think we were kind of wondering if they were going to collect these into volumes. And it looks like they're starting to leak out on Amazon that around October we should start expecting to see uh, some of these collections. I think Star Wars um i don't know how many issues they're going to collect into the first volume but i think that's coming out sometime in october so that's when you'll probably hear us start doing our reviews of the full of the full volumes once uh, that starts happening but in the meantime we'll have plenty of stuff with these novels coming out and i think we're going to start reviewing some other stuff beyond just the novels and comics as well um uh, like the sketchbook sabine sketchbook we have now um Ezra's journal, things like that, that we might do some quick reviews of as well. We'll be doing some reviews for the Jeffrey Brown books, the Good Night Darth, Good whatever, Good Night Darth Vader, Darth Vader and Son, those. Um, yeah, so there's going to be some cool stuff. Um, more junior novels. Other things, rather than just what we have done before, we're changing and modifying and evolving. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we have one more email. It's from David Motters, and he said, You guys are awesome. Well, thank you. I just listened to Star Wars Bookworms number 36, and you really helped clarify the double-bladed lightsaber issue. I really enjoy your show, and I'll keep emailing you guys. Take care. Well, thank you, David. We appreciate any kind of email that we get, even short ones. So feel free to email us. It's starwarsbookworms at gmail.com. And you guys don't have to just ask us questions or tell us thoughts on the books and the comics. We are more than willing to talk Rebels, The Force Awakens, toys, anything. So Definitely. So before we get into our reviews here, I will mention our spoiler policy. Uh, We typically wait at least a month after release date. For these, it's several months after release date uh, before we review a book or comic. So if we are reviewing it, expect full spoilers. Probably should have given that spoiler alert before we talked about Darth Vader, huh? Mm, Yeah. I stopped you, though. (laughs) Those were minor spoilers. Literally the first page he's on Tatooine. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So we uh, today, the first thing that we're going to review is... Star Wars Rebel Heist, which is the very last Dark Horse uh, comic volume. Woo, so what? an ending. You sound too happy. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dark Horse. Tw- not, twenty years, twenty Star years Wars. with the Star Wars license, and you cheer when they when they leave. That's that no, is mean. It's just because I'm. I want to talk about things like Sabine's sketchbook for a while. That's right. <laughs> but, yeah, so this is the final Dark Horse comic that we will be reviewing, um, you know, at least for now, in our current format. At least for now? Well, I'm just saying, you know. What are who, you planning that I am not aware We don't know of? what the future of the show brings, if we'll ever go back maybe and review some older comics or, Oh, you know, dear. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Dark Horse gets the license back someday. So we can't say for sure it's the last one we review. <laughs> But it probably is the last Dark Horse comic that we're going to review. Um, 
I'm just going to go with this because I've already started. But the, re- the release date was October 8th, 2014. Uh, writer Matt Kint, artist Marco Castiello. And this happened sometimes between, sometime between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back in that three-year period. I'm not sure exactly when. I don't think they really um, you know, nailed it down. But here is the synopsis. The Rebel Alliance's newest recruits are teamed with its greatest heroes to hatch a plot and pull off a heist right under the noses of the Empire's finest. Can Han Solo, Princess Leia, and others live up to their legends? And others? What, is Luke just an other now? <laughs> Or will they be found to have feet of clay? Or what does is it, that even mean? Or, what does that mean? I was wondering the same thing. I, I was like, is that a common expression? Like, what is, this is you've got feet of clay. This is my guess. That okay? I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be so wrong that I'm not even gonna guess. I'm gonna Google this for you. I was gonna say that it would be if you hold somebody up in high regard. You know, you kind of see them as like a statue, but like they would crumble <laughs> if they had feet of clay. That's kind of how I read it. I could be way off. But let me finish this. Or is it possible that their most obvious weaknesses might also be their greatest strengths? So, yeah, that was the broken up synopsis with our interruptions. But um, are you Googling it? What does it mean? Right. I am. Patience, Iago. Um, A flaw or vulnerability of someone who is otherwise admirable. In the Bible's book of Daniel, King... Wow. I don't know how to say that. Dream that he saw a statue made of gold, silver, and brass, but with feet of clay. Daniel interpreted the vision to mean that the clay symbolized the Babylonian Empire's vulnerability and imminent collapse. So I was right. I nailed it. Do you know how to say King Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, there you go. Wow, look at you. I did go to Sunday school. Okay, well, I didn't. didn't. I love how you just knew what I was trying to say. King Nebuchadnezzar. So, um, yeah, so (laughs) this comic, um, to kind of start off the conversation here, I'll say, like, right off the top, I really like the cover art for for each individual issue. I Um, will agree with you on that. But you know how I feel about cover art and inside art. Yeah, the inside art definitely didn't match, but the cover art was very impressive. It was actually done by Adam Hughes, um, who is one of... One of my favorite Star Wars artists, so I was happy to see that he was doing them. I actually have, I'm looking at it right now, I have a an Adam Hughes print of Boba, Boba Fett on my wall Boba right Fett. now. Boba Fett, Boba Fett, I know. So, yeah, so a big fan of Adam Hughes. I love these covers. I thought all of them looked good. I, I really liked uh, the Luke one. I liked the Chewbacca one. Those are probably two my my two favorites. But um, just right off the top, I wanted to mention cover art was stellar. I agree. And there was variant covers for these as well that were, were were based on now just one variant, not like a hundred variants like Marvel's doing. But um, I believe they were based on like war posters, something like that. They maybe I don't know, but um, those were a little bit more abstract looking, but were pretty cool as well. But the Adam Hughes ones were were my preferred covers. But kind of the way these comics were is it was. Um, four issues and each issue kind of focused on a different of, of the four rebels. So you'd say like the big three plus Chewbacca. Uh, yeah, I guess you could call them the big four. Um, but the fab each, four. The fab no, that's four. the Beatles. Just kidding. So they had um, a different person that was kind of teamed up with each of them. And it was, it was telling the stories from the other person's perspective, not, not the uh, actual hero character's perspective, which was, which was kind of yeah. cool. I don't know what. How did you feel about that that way of telling a story? And honestly, it got a little bit hard to follow sometimes, and not really knowing who these people were or like what their names were really, or any kind of structure behind these people sort of made it more annoying for me. Um, but I mean, I guess enough. it was kind. I think it was kind of kind of neat. It was a, a definitely a different way of doing it, but um, not gonna lie, in the first one, I fell asleep. I had to get woken up, but uh, the others I didn't fall asleep. (laughs) What? When did you read it? Oh, like half an hour ago. Today. (laughs) So it's fresh in your mind. (laughs) But Um, I was tired. Um, no. So the the from the others' perspective is it's interesting. It's different. Um, I'll give it that. I'll say it's different. 
Well, it's kind of like we just did that Darth Vader comic recently that was mm. told from the perspective of, you know, of that woman that was kind of working with him. So, yeah, but you at least knew who she was and like you could at least gather some background on her as opposed to just not knowing anything. Yeah. And can we just no, okay, we'll get to it. I'm but... going to hold off. <laughs> I kind of liked it. It was it was an interesting way to tell the story, and um, I liked how with the first guy, Jan was his name, um, how he was just like completely awestruck with Han, mm-hmm. and it was like you know I guess Han was famous because of what happened at Yavin, and uh, so this guy kind of knew of him and you know held him up in high regard and all this stuff, but then in the second comic, you have uh, Saren who meets princess leia and it was kind of the opposite thing it was like oh they sent me a princess you know like she's she's not impressive at all so yeah well that's because that's how girls are they're like oh so you're a princess so i automatically am not gonna like you because you're obviously hoity-toity and that's hoity-toity um and you know thinks that she can't get her dress dirty um she proved her wrong Oh, she proved her wrong. But can we not, can we please stop and talk about the obvious in the Leia issue? Okay. I'm curious what you think was the obvious. You know exactly what the obvious was. (laughs) In one of the first pages, we see Saren as like an undercover prostitute with like barely any clothes on. Well, yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because that was how (laughs) I read it. Like, yes. okay, this is a rebel agent that's undercover, but her undercover, you know, persona not is not very a... covered up. Yeah. Well, she was a <laughs> prostitute, which I think, okay, I was like, okay, that, you're going to great lengths to get um, information. She was either a prostitute or a stripper. And I knew she was definitely a dancer because they showed her at the, you know, dance club or whatever, but then. Oh, and she's talking about how she, a Twi'lek red, red skin is so rare and all this stuff. And I was like, oh dear, what are, where are we going with this? Well, this whole second issue, actually, I thought. Um, was kind of, you know, it had the scenes with, with the Twi'lek, and then it has, you know, Leia in multiple times. Oh, where, oh I hadn't gotten there yet. Yeah. I hadn't gotten there yet. <laughs> well, I'm going there. But, okay. um, yeah, I just thought, like, kind of the way Leia was drawn, like, the very first introduction of her, you know, it's kind of just, like, uh, the pose is a bit sexy, and she's kind of va-va-voom, you know, like, and they have a scene of her undressing, they have another scene later in the comic of her kind of you know, in a awkward bent over position. I don't know. It was just like the artist took some some interesting liberties with the way that he portrayed the female characters. I didn't know if it stuck out to you, but it definitely stuck out to me. Um. Oh, it did. And there's like a scene where it looks like Leia's like getting into some kind of cat suit. Yeah. Um. And she's like looking over her shoulder very seductively, like, "You want to join me?" <laughs> um. And then there's the very first scene where you see Princess Leia in, like, her white pants outfit. Yeah, and that was the va va yeah, I was talking I, about. I honestly thought she was really pretty looking. Um, I don't think she looked anything like Carrie Fisher. Um, but I was like, well, she looks really pretty, but she's also, like, bam, like Marilyn Monroe style. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I was a little bit like, okay, we're trying to get away from this. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it doesn't surprise me because it's comics and comics tend to do that. But I did think, you know, it seems like more and more um, the comic, you know, the comic companies are trying to become a little bit more aware of, of that, you know, trying not to over-sexualize uh, women sometimes. So I was a little like, oh, okay, this again. But um, it wasn't too in your face, but it definitely was noticeable. Well, it was, but it was not. It was not in your face. Maybe not it was more an than entire page. It but not more page. than what you would expect from comics. I'm saying, like, it's not. It's nothing we haven't seen before. It was just kind of like, okay, this again. It is something we've seen before, but it's also something that we've seen start to kind of go away. So it almost to me seems like a complete backpedal, and I'm not going to let that go. And you know me, I tend to be perfectly okay with sexualizing, you know, any character. It doesn't matter to me, but then. But this was like, okay, too much. <laughs> and it only seemed like it was just the, the line. just the second issue, really. The the one that featured Leia was the one that kind of was like that. Yeah. Um, Why but... are we not sexualizing Chewie? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just saying. Or Luke. Or they did have a close-up on Luke's beautiful blue eyes, though. So maybe they were sexualizing him a little bit. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, so we have this stormtrooper, this weirdo stormtrooper who reminded me of like a clone trooper um, because he was like encoded. Um, so I was like, ooh, Order 66. No? Okay. But he kept calling Chewie it. Yes, he did. Um, and that was kind of a ongoing theme too, at least with um, the character that was with Leia, Saren, and then you have the stormtrooper that was Chewie. They both started out kind of disrespecting the characters. And then had they had to earn their respect, I guess, through it. Um, Leia, you know, showed that she, you know, deserved her respect by, you know, being tough. And um, I think at the end of the comic, she kind of like almost sacrifices herself or is willing to sacrifice herself, which earned Saren's respect. And then Chewie, I mean, one of the ways that he earned the Stormtroopers' respect was the way he killed a Rancor. Well, he killed a Rancor like a badass. Like a you have that scene it makes you wonder why he can't do that in return of the jedi right yeah but yeah you have the scene where he it's a full page you have the rank like arm cut off another person with their arm cut off the rancor's got like a split skull chewie's standing there with like this gigantic axe and it's just like okay that's pretty cool i liked that page i thought that was cool. i did too there were some pages in the chewie issue that i really liked i love the way he looked i love his eyes and his face for um and I thought it was really well done. Yeah. So, of the four issues, which one was your favorite? The Chewy one. Yeah. The Chewy one was probably the best. I liked. I liked. Um, I liked how the guy was kind of disrespecting him and not necessarily even considering him, you know, worthy of calling him him. You know, it was he was calling him it. And then by the end of it, he was like, "No, this this is a, this is a being that has a purpose. You know, and his purpose is to save his friend." And I, I like that. That was it was a good element to the story. Mm-hmm. But agreed. Well, we were kind of saying that only the second issue had the the over sexualization, but I forgot the uh, the bad guy character. The bad the, girl character. Yeah, the the bad girl that guy looks character. like she that looks like she's came right out of Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, she was like, for no apparent reason at all, she looked like she was dressed to go to the beach. So yeah, they, there was that too. <laughs> yeah, but you know they. They did end up stealing something that we see in Empire Strikes Back. Um, but to be honest, it took me a minute to figure out exactly what that was. And then at the end, I was like, oh, it's over. What? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the whole purpose or the whole idea of the comic was that, you know, people were being inspired by, you know, the hero characters from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then because of that inspiration, they, you know, would join the rebellion. Um it was it was an interesting story. Um, the Bothan. Not the way I think Dark Horse should have gone out. Yeah, and I think they probably maybe didn't know when they were deciding to write this that it would be the last thing that they did. Um, but the Bothan story, where the Bothan was sent to kill Luke, and then he ends up, you know, joining them at the end. Um, you know, I kind of like that. And then I guess some of the stuff they had at the very last page, though, where they're trying to tie in, like you said, the, you know, the, the I guess it was shield generators that they mm. stole, the ones that they end up on Hoth. Mm-hmm. And then you have the scene with the Bothan looking at like the schematics of the Death Star. So, which, you know, I guess they're trying to imply that he was maybe one of the Bothans that died, you know, to get to death, mm. to get the Death Star plans. Mm. Um, I missed that. So I some of that well. stuff was a little too on the nose, I think, um, where they're trying to tie those things in. But it was, you know, four issues, an easy read, some good moments. So overall, I did like it, um, but yeah, it wasn't the strongest story that Dark Horse has ever done, um, but it was the last story that they've done, <laughs> the yeah. last that they will do. Um, there was like a little a little thing at the end that Randy Stradley said in the letters section, kind of saying goodbye. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. I think he says, here it is, uh, he's kind of replying to a, a message that somebody has sent, and at the very last... A thing that he says here he says and speaking of the end this is it folks we're at the end of the series and for all intents and purposes the end of an era it has been a great ride readers we appreciate all the support you've given us over the past 20 plus years thank you randy stradley editor so nice little goodbye uh, note from the editor you of should Dark, you Dark should choose some sad music right yeah. now Wipe the tear out of my eye. But, I mean, really, Dark Horse did have a really good run, and they did put out a lot of really good comics over the last 20 years. Not not everything they put out was 
you know, the best, but there was some really solid stuff that they did and some really, um, you know, they really broke some ground in some storytelling that they did. So we definitely yeah. have to give them props for the time that they had the license. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Marvel does with it. And, you know, Marvel does have some big shoes to fill because, you know, so far they're giving us some good stuff, but really they're giving us a lot of what we've seen already too. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, some new stories that they come up with and new characters that they create for us. Um, kind of like dark horse did. So, but yeah. I have, I have high hopes. I give dark horse one last. Yup. 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 So, um, Oh, by the way, just in case you were wondering, I am stealing something from ion cannon because you won't let me do it any other time. So we get to do it for this last one. Okay. What's that? Ranking. How many, Bookworms, are you gonna get it? <laughs> how uh, out of how many? What's the five? Out of five for that comic, yeah. I will say no, for, for oh, five is easier. Um, okay, out of five. <laughs> okay, out of five, I will say I give that three bookworms. Rebel heist. This is the only episode that we're gonna do this, Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. What are you gonna do with your bookworms? I'm. <laughs> um. Darth Vader goes to Tatooine with the three bookworms and feeds them to Jabba the Hutt. That's so gross. <laughs> that is gross. It's almost slightly awkwardly, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am going to give it two and a half bookworms. Um, you cut a bookworm in half? That's cool. I did. I cut him in half with a bookmark. Um, <laughs> it's even worse. Okay, so my two and a half bookworms are, um, they're pilots, and they are flying a little ship over to Indoor because Wicket is their friend, and they're gonna go have a vacation. Oh wow, you you found a way to to get Ewoks in there. <laughs> wow, that's what I do. So I don't know. It's the front half of a worm. It's not the back half. It's the front half because maybe he'll regenerate his back half. Well, bookworms do regenerate. So okay, that's good. So good. all right, well, so let's move on to our second and final review of this episode. Uh, Servants of the Empire: Edge of the Galaxy. Uh, release date was October twenty first, two thousand fourteen. Writer Jason Fry. And do you want to do the publisher do summary? It. Zare Leonis seems destined to become a poster boy for the Empire. His sister Dara has been accepted into the esteemed Imperial Academy on Lothal, and Zare is confident he'll join her in a year's time. But a year can bring plenty of unwelcome changes. Not only does he begin to uncover the Empire's destructive plans for Lothal and the livelihood of its people, but his unease hits home when Dara goes mysteriously missing. Zare is forced to question everything and rethink what it means to be a good servant of the Empire. So we kind of talked about this book a little bit before we before we were re re recording. So we kind of already know. I know that we're not going to agree on a lot of stuff. So, no, we're not. So we, just warning the listeners, you might see us fight. But um, Throwdown time. Yeah, we're, we're not going to hold gonna back. Win? But, Who's going to win? <laughs> but we have seen Zare uh, before. Now, I think this book actually came out before we saw him in Rebels, but I didn't read it until after I saw him in Rebels. But he has been in Rebels in two episodes, Breaking Ranks and Vision of Hope, which you can see our reviews for those over at Jedi News. Yep, jedinews.co.uk. And you can actually go and search for um, TV reviews and stuff. And um, we're doing those together in case you guys did not know. So my, kind of my big thing with this, and we can start here and then we'll just go at it, but... <laughs> Is I didn't know I was getting a book about football. Oh, jeez. And that okay, was it's not football, right? <laughs> if anything, it's had... like a it's like a mix between football and like Quidditch. I can counter this because I have okay, evidence. It's, it's like it's football and Quidditch. It's basically football, though. Um, but yeah, maybe, so maybe a lot of the book was really about like the you know the sporting events that he was a part of and you know the competition. Um, a little more for more than my taste for, you know, a Star Wars book. 
Yeah, so. but they're using the sports as a as like a parallel for what's actually going on in the universe, and it's helping kids that are in this Imperial Academy or not in the academy, but they're in what was the school called? Uh, Agra something. Agra. Basically, it's like a like a pre school that's kind of run by the Empire before the actual academy. They're using the game to, you know, kind of cont- further their education and to train them in how to be good Imperial people. And Zara is able to see parallels between what's really going on in the world and what's going on in his small world through the game. Right. It's like Remember the Titans. Yes, it did have a very Remember the Titans feel to it, actually. Um which once again isn't very Star Wars, so that was Left just. Side. But I think it's it's kind of just like. I totally missed it. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like personal taste, you know. Like, I think people that are big into sports or would enjoy reading about you know sporting events within Star Wars might enjoy it a lot more than I did. But I just I when they had the first match of uh, what is it called? It was called like Grav Ball or something. Yeah, Grav Ball. Um. Like, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool to see that. But then it was like, okay, there's another one. Oh, wait, there's another one. Like, oh, wow, wait, this whole like, book's about Grandpa. Yeah, there's basically the entire book is about how they're going to go on to the championship and all that. So it was a little bit like, I know Jason Fry is a sports fan. I, you know, I follow him on Twitter and I see him talking about sports a lot. So it didn't surprise me. Um, it just surprised me how much was in the book. So for my personal taste, it was a little much, but it didn't seem like it bothered you. No, it didn't bother me at all. But I he, actually quite enjoyed it. But I did. I, I did find. I'm a person. Yeah, and I mean, I am too. I like sports. I played sports, so it's not that I'm anti-sports at all. Um, it just was a little bit too much sports in my Star Wars. But um, he did. I did find on StarWars.com. He actually did a post on StarWars.com, kind of talking about, um, you know, using the sport in the book, and he did say he was specifically looking for a Star Wars sport to mirror American football. So. So there's that. Whatever. Anyway. (laughs) So I think um, another thing that we kind of disagreed about that I'm going to bring up, uh, and you can tell me why you don't agree with me, but. (laughs) Because. Okay. So you were saying you saw the similarities in, um, what was the movie? Remember the Titans? Yes. Which I think there's more similarities to that that I'm going to bring up later, but. I saw a little bit, at least in the kind of formulaic, um, you know, friendships that were in the book. I kind of saw some similarities to. <laughs> Why is that oh, funny? Oh dear, because here it comes. <laughs> that it, some they similarities to magic. to Harry Potter. Okay, Wigardium Leviosa did not exist. Right, here. and I'm not saying they're wizards or like any of that. I'm just saying <laughs> you have the you know the three characters that are kind of like the friends, and you have the. You know, the guy is kind of the main character and then his really smart friend that's a girl that's kind of like the bookworm kind of character. And then you have the other guy that's kind of like the oaf, you know. So basically I'm saying... So you're saying... Zare is Harry. Harry. Mary is... Is is Hermione. Hermione, yes. And then... And then... uh, What was that other guy's name? Beck. Beck is Ron. Ron. Yeah. And they're at school, okay, and the okay, teachers are bad, and, like, it's no, just kind of... but the teachers aren't bad at Hogwarts. Just Well, some Snape. of them are, right. It's... Just Snape. Well, every every Harry Potter movie had a, at least one bad teacher. No, but, yeah, Snape. No, because there was other yeah. teachers that were bad, too. Okay, so in year five, you get Dolores Umbridge. Okay, yeah, she's the only one. Hey, I'm not because, trying to... Okay, let me, let me walk you through this. I'm not right. trying to move this so, into a Harry Potter in, podcast. That's, Harry Potter, that's a whole other thing that we haven't started yet. In the Sorcerer's Stone, <laughs> you've got Professor Quirrell, who's clearly corrupted, spoiler alert, and Snape. Yeah. Okay. In Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, just Snape. Okay. Because Gilderoy Lockhart is there, but Gilderoy Lockhart's a space case and he's a weirdo. All right. I, I forgive him for all of his weird, crazy problems where he's obsessed with just being famous. Year three, you have Professor Lupin, who's amazing. Forget about the fact that he's a werewolf. And Snape. Okay. Goblet of Fire. Snape. And yeah. then you've got and, and you've got um 
Um, oh, Mad-Eye Moody. But Mad-Eye Moody is not Mad-Eye Moody because it's actually Barty Crouch Jr. who's taking Polyjuice Potion to pretend to be Mad-Eye Moody because he actually kidnapped Mad-Eye Moody. And so it's really just Snape. And then Umbridge in five. So, but the you know the ongoing six, theme there is that one of the main you know teachers that is in charge is bad. Um, but Snape isn't bad. Well, spoiler yeah, alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So Snape isn't bad. Snape was in love with Harry's mom, and he was trying to protect him because he swore he would swore his life that he would protect Harry. All I'm Lily. saying is that the character similarities made me think of Harry Potter. The 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 friend the the type of people that they were, the three friends. The roles that they played, and the fact that they were in a school together trying to f- solve, you know, mysteries, kind of thing. Like, yeah, but were they in different houses? Did they have to wear different okay. color Okay, I wasn't ties? saying it was exactly the same. I'm just saying there was some some familiarity uh, that stuck out to me. You um, just know how special Harry Potter is to me. So yeah, I just wanted to bring up Harry Potter just to let I you do a little it. rant. So there I you go. I protect it with my life. But did you not? So you're you're saying you don't see it at all, or, or can you no, kind of I, see it I, a little I, bit? I, I agree with the with the characters of Harry, Ron, and Hermione kind of being portrayed here with Zara, Murray, and Beck. Um, yes. I totally agree with that. But um, they're not in Hogwarts. No, they're it's not, not in not Hogwarts. Magical. It's not a place I want to be. Definitely not a place you would want to be. But um, Hogwarts is a place I want to be. I do not want to be here. So we talked about <laughs> Zare and so how do you pronounce her name? Mary. Marie? I'm saying Murray. Murray. Okay. So Zare and Murray. The difference. Fall in love. Obviously, from them and Harry and Hermione, is that they actually do have some sort of a relationship in this. Um, when you're reading these kind of young reader books, like when you read those parts, is it kind of like, oh, that's sweet? Or you kind of roll your eyes? Like, how, how, do, what do, you, how do you react to that, that type of a story in these books? What, with young love? Yeah, just the young love part of the, you know, teen puppy love stuff that you know was way in my past Um, well considering i teach children that age um i think it's cute okay i'm kind of adorable i was kind of at the eye rolling part of it you know kind of just like okay but no i think it was good i mean i think for to see characters like this you know still being able to find love and stuff in a time when things are starting to go into turmoil it's really good i mean and we're clearly not getting that with Hera and gain and so uh, might as well get it with Zara and Marie. Hera and Kanan are a thing. No, they're not. You do they're realize not a that, thing? right? They're not a thing. Not but, yet, anyway. But yeah, not so yet. yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was. It was fine, but it was just kind of like, okay, you know, I could do with or without it. It didn't really affect, you know, my thoughts on the book. But no, and I don't think it was meant to be like a a main theme in the book it was just kind of like a side theme just something that kind of happens and i think it's there for the younger readers to kind of captivate them a little bit more yeah you know um because kids that age you know they want the sports they want the love they want the all the stuff that's going on they're not looking at these books for the same things that we are um so i think some of those kind of things are there and i think like the harry potter similarities those kind of things are things that have worked for young readers and so um they were kind of using those same oh i guess tropes so you're um, saying that i'm not the target audience because this is a kids book no i'm not because i do not say that this is a kids book i'm saying that this is a young readers book and that there are certain things that they targeted towards young readers but that it was still a book that an adult like you or me could enjoy yes so as something for everyone um i want to bring this next point up is that um you know there were some parallels with real life like racism here and but like alienism yes speciesism speciesism so you know this was something that kind of really hit home for me was you know basically Zare being handcuffed and being forced to do something that he didn't want to do because he was the team captain. And we see that a lot in sports happening. I mean, we saw stuff like that in um, like varsity blues. Um, You tried, they tried to show stuff like that. And I remember the Titans, um, you know, where basically people are, have certain agendas and they're trying to force the players to do things that will meet their agendas. Um, and so, 
you know, we get this racism stuff that happens where the head honcho guy at the school basically tells there that he has to remove these two players, that they're not allowed to go and play in the championship game. And it got under my skin big time, and it really pissed me off a lot. Um, and so that was kind of a sore spot in the book for me, but I think at the same time it was good because it got me invested more. And so I always know when I get emotional about something that I'm invested in it. So no matter what my emotions are, that doesn't determine whether or not I like the book or not. It it actually tells me that I do like it, even if it made me angry, um, because right. it managed to get me. Yeah, it was definitely uh, a bit. It was kind of heavy subject matter because it was a very clear parallel. I think um, you were kind of mentioning, um, remember the Titans, where you know s- similar type of situations would happen, or a lot in sports. You know the history of American sports is definitely tainted with a lot of racism, especially in, you know, the 60s and, you know, that time period. Um, So, yeah, it was kind of like this, these characters were not look, they didn't, they weren't looked on with respect only because they were aliens um, and Zare had to stand up for them. So, yeah, it was, it was a direct parallel that, um, you know, it was, it definitely brought a little bit more uh, weight to the story. And don't you find it interesting that a person of color, a human person of color, is the person standing up for racism happening to other species? Yeah. I think that's kind of a cool yeah, angle. Definitely. Because in the Star Wars universe, um, the the prejudice is more about the, you know, what species you are, not necessarily what skin color you have. But, you know, obviously in our world, the, you know, the parallel would be more based on your your race, your skin, you know, your your ethnicity. So... Yeah, but it was yeah, it's definitely kind of cool that they had you know the main character as a person of color and kind of standing up to that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that was something that really stuck out to me um, in this book. Yeah, and there's something else you know with um, their sister Dara. Um, there were some times where I got the feeling that she might be force sensitive, and. Maybe she didn't really know it. Maybe nobody really knew it. But she does end up going missing. So to me, that says there's something going on there. And I am curious to find out more. Um, and I'm hoping we either find out in Rebels, the TV show, or maybe another book. Um, yeah. Because his sister was a very intriguing character, and I really liked her a lot. And if she is a Force-sensitive, I would love to know more about that. Yeah, definitely. And we get two more books in this series. So I'm sure they'll explore that. I do think there must be something there because I do remember from the TV series. I know <laughs> what <laughs> you said something there, and that's a song from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Inadvertent Disney reference. I'm but, so sorry. So in Breaking Ranks, I don't know if you remember, but at the very end of Breaking Ranks, when um, when Ezra is basically you know escaping. He wants Zare to come with him, and Zare says, "No, I'm going to stay because I need to find my sister." Um, you know, his sister has gone missing, and even back at that at that point, before I had even read this book, I thought that there was a possibility that his sister might be force sensitive because the the Inquisitor was specifically looking for you know students with talent because he was targeting people that had force sensitivity. So, and she, you know, because she went missing, makes me wonder: is you know did did the Inquisitor take her, you know, because because he realized that she had that power, even if maybe she didn't real, realize it herself. So that would be a really cool plot point, and I really hope they go that direction with it. Me too. I think that would be really cool, and I think it would be a cool tie-in. And I actually really uh, like Zara as a character, so I would love to see more of him actually on the show. Um, I don't remember who voiced him, but um, I remember really liking it, so... I'm kind of excited about it, the yeah. possibilities that are there. And I really love the fact that everything kind of ties together now and that everything that we're getting in these books and in the show and in, you know, Heir to the Jedi and stuff. It doesn't, I mean, I know it doesn't all have the same story. It's not like one continuous thing, but we know that it's all for real, for real. Right. You know, it's all it's all officially canon now. There's no level of canon, you know, that one is better than the other. Or one's higher level. Like, this is all the same universe now so that is one of the positives about you know this whole story group idea 
and uh, even the you know even these junior novels have as much weight to them as you know as the movies and that's why i think it's good that we're covering them because it's really enhancing rebels for me like the tv show so and i feel like some of the people that are watching the tv show really need to read these books because these books are factual so you know i know we're not going to get any like major reveals in these books that we're not that we won't get on tv but if you want to enhance your the level that you're getting into rebels this is a really good way to do it definitely I mean, I think I just kind of ended the book discussion without meaning to. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that's a good place to end it if, you, if you're if you good with that. Is there anything else you wanted to, to talk about from these uh, books before we gave it a, a bookworms rating? <laughs> Not really. I mean, other than I – maybe we can mention my Death Star theory a little bit. Um, and I just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. But um, – I recently was on um, Rebel Force Radio's Declassified, and you can go and listen to that one about the episode Rebel Resolve. And I talk about my theory that Lothal is actually being used to be mined for materials for the Death Star, and that that's why it's so important. And that, and we know now that Hera's father is Choms and Dula, so we know that she has been privy to probably a lot of Rebel activity and has learned a lot and done a lot of things. Um, due to who her father is. And so if you guys don't remember, Chom Syndulla is um, kind of the main person, the main Twi'lek in the Ryloth arc that's sort of fighting for freedom. Um, From Clone Wars? From the Clone Wars? Yeah, from the Ryloth arc of the Clone Wars. I think it's season one, right? Yeah. Um, So, you know, we're starting to see a lot of that in the with what we saw in Rebel Resolve, like I really think that this is going to be the Rebel cell that gets the Death Star plans and gives them to Luke, or not to Luke, but to Leia. Um, and oh, that really? they're, oh yeah, that's like I think that like a lot. Huh. I think that their primary thing is to disrupt the construction of the Death Star and to, if possible, get the plans for the Death Star. And that's part of the reason that they want them to be so. Um, flying under the radar which they clearly are not right now um, but it just seems that even from this book with everything we learn about the mining and how they destroy Beck's family farm to you know to build all these mines and stuff it I think they're going after big materials that are going to be major players in the Death Star and why else would Tarkin show up at this particular planet if it didn't have to do with his Death Star baby right and it makes sense because like the Inquisitor coming to Lothal makes sense because there's a Jedi there. But Tarkin coming to Lothal makes sense more for bigger plans that are going on, which I kind of like your theory here that, you know, Lothal might be a place that they're mining, uh, you know, a large portion of the materials needed for the Death Star, and these rebels keep messing things up. So Tarkin's there to kind of figure things out. So I, I like that theory. That's that's good stuff. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Every now and then. <laughs> Well, um, I guess that's the end of our show. So on the next show, we will be doing... Wait. Um, oh. How many bookworms? Oh, yeah, bookworms. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. Okay, um, so we're we doing out of five? You started this, so you got to finish it. Yeah, out of five. What's the, uh, what's the ranking for Star Wars Rebels, Servant of the Empire, Edge of the Galaxy? I'm giving it four bookworms. Four? Yes. I really liked it. I really I really did. So, okay, these four bookworms are going to they're going to go to Lothal and they're going to go play in the grass with Lothal cats. Lothal ca- lo- cats. cats. They're going to go play with some Loth cats <laughs> and they're going to go and make a home inside of the um, Imperial droid that Chopper kicked out of the ghost. <laughs> That's what they're going to do. This is a total shout out to Ion Cannon, just in case anyone's wondering yeah. where this is coming from. Another, we really like the guys over there at Ion Another Cannon. podcast that does uh, Rebels reviews called Ion Cannon. Uh, does and these... they, do, they read a lot of books too, and they do some book reviews over there as well, and hopefully we will have them here soon. Yes, and definitely go listen to their show because it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, hopefully we can have those guys on here, uh, maybe when we talk about Tarkin. But um, I will give, let's see here, there I have high hopes for this series, but I will say this book did underwhelm because of just the overabundance of the the sports stuff going on. Um, 
So I will say that I'm only going to give it three bookworms. You don't want to give it half a bookworm, do you? No, you don't I'm not going to kill a bookworm. <laughs> well, I guess I killed three when I let Vader feed him to Jabba. But yeah, I'm not going to cut one in half myself. So I'm just going to go with a solid three bookworms. Um, oh, I don't know what. Do you have to like kill them? Is that part? No, of the... you don't have to kill. Mine went on just... vacation. Okay, My first so... two and a half went on vacation, and the other three are going to make a home out of a droid and play with Lothcats. So my three bookworms uh, get a ride on the ghost, and then the ghost crew is like, "Oh, we really like these bookworms. We're gonna keep them." But then Chopper's like, "Nope," and kicks them all out the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> so, on our next episode, um. We're, we're going to be reviewing Tarkin. So if you haven't read it yet, start reading it now so you can listen to our next episode. All right. So if you want to get in contact with us, you can get a hold of us on Twitter. We are at SWBookworms. You can also send us an email, and we love, love, love emails. So send us some, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. You can go over to Facebook, too, and like us over there. Um, it's just um, facebook.com slash Star Wars Bookworms. And over there, we share a lot of Star Wars books and comic news. And when I say we, I mean Aaron. As usual, you can leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love it if you go over there. If you listen to the show, if you enjoy us, go give us a five-star review. That would be awesome. You can follow Teresa on Twitter and Instagram, at IceColdPenguin. And you can follow me, at A.V. Goins. Um, and come to Star Wars Celebration. Um, it's coming up in April. It's not too late. I know they still have tickets. If you haven't, if you haven't planned to come, it's the best Star Wars event that you can possibly go to. I would highly recommend it. I'm really excited about going back. I've been to a couple. I know Teresa, this is going to be your first, so I'm excited for this to be your first because it's it's amazing, and I can't wait for you to see it. And I would recommend any of you listeners that haven't gone or aren't planning to go, if you can make it happen, definitely come. Come say hi to us. Come check out our podcast uh, on the stage. And we would love to see you. So until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you.